2: The Joe Beam Show. It is 29 September 2015 and tonight, tonight we're talking about forgiveness. Like, why should you forgive and how do you forgive? You see, many people have a concept of forgiveness that it's an emotion that they feel and that until they feel that emotion, forgiveness hasn't taken place. That's really not true. You see, forgiveness really is a decision. And there's actually a thing in the social sciences that's referred to as decision-based forgiveness. It means that I make a decision to forgive. Now, why would I want to do that? You must understand that when we are hurt by another person, that great pain that we feel, and, and the greater the pain, then the worse we feel, obviously. That great pain we feel leads to anger and can build into resentment and those other kinds of emotions that associate themselves with anger can... And if we ever are going to deal with the anger, the pain, all those things going on in us, it's because of the fact. Well, let me say it differently. If we're ever going to deal with it, the way we're going to deal with it is by forgiving. Now, you may be thinking, oh, wait a minute. If if I forgive the person who hurt me, then he or she gets off scot-free. There's no consequence. That's not necessarily true. You see, you don't forgive other people so that they don't have consequences to their behavior. You forgive other people so that you don't have to continue to suffer and to hurt. That you're wise enough to know that, look, you know, I'm carrying this pain around. I'm holding all these bad feelings toward this individual, and it may not even affect him or her. In the last few days, you may have seen on the national news about a family down around Atlanta where the two sons who were grown actually tried to kill their parents. They cooked their meal for them that night, but they put Xanax in their drinks, and, and they had a gun, and they beat them. And uh, the father distracted them long enough, so the mother got to the phone and called 911. You may have heard part of that 911 call. And they got over there in time, the authorities did, to save the lives of this man and this woman. Now, the boys were obviously arrested. They had been trying to kill their parents. The parents later were on national television. I watched the interview where they said, why our boys did this it's a bad moment in their lives, we forgive them. And as they talked about forgiving their sons, the very boys who had tried to kill them, well, I guess we could call them men since they were grown, the very men who tried to kill them, they said, we forgive, we're not gonna hold this against them. And in the middle of that, I heard them say, but there are consequences to their behavior. In other words, they'll be tried for this and they'll probably serve time for this. But not because of the fact that we have this animosity toward them. We have forgiven them so we can be set free, so that we can be free to love our sons, even though our sons have tried to hurt us. Now, that is the epitome of forgiveness. It's saying, I know that there can be consequences, and that these consequences will, of course, come to bear, and I can't do anything about that. In the process of your facing your consequences, though, I don't need to be seeking vengeance. And you see, that's a major part of the decision to forgive. I will not seek vengeance. Well, why not? First of all, I can never know if if I actually achieve it. You see, vengeance is when I try to make you hurt as badly as I hurt. And how can I be sure that you hurt as badly as I do? And secondly, if I'm pursuing vengeance, it becomes this all-consuming thing. I actually met a man many years ago. I won't even mention which city he lived in. He ran a store. His daughter, after she had gotten grown, had moved in with a drug dealer. She was living with him. Another drug dealer had come in one night trying to get this guy's stuff. And in the process, he shot the drug dealer and shot this man's daughter, killed them both. Well, he was arrested. He was convicted. And he went to prison. I don't remember how many years he had. But this man who ran the store, the man whose daughter had been murdered, said, I'm living for one thing and one thing only. And that is that when that man finally gets out of prison, I'm going to kill him because he killed my daughter. And it permeated this man's life. Everything he did was centered around the fact that he wanted to live long enough to face the man who had killed his daughter and to kill him in return to get his vengeance. Unfortunately, he didn't. In his store one day, somebody came in to rob him, This man kept a gun with him all the time. I I don't know if it was because of the fact that he thought maybe that other guy might get out and come by without him realizing he was out, but he kept a gun with him all the time. And when this robber came into his store to rob him, he pulled out his gun. The robber pulled out his gun and, and the man died. He died and did not. Have the ability or the opportunity to get his vengeance. He spent his entire life from the time of the death of his daughter until his own death living with this one focus, which permeated everything he did, which basically destroyed every relationship he had and made him a miserable, cynical man, and still didn't get what he wanted. So, forgiveness is what I do to set me free. Now, forgiveness then has basically two components that are essential. If I'm going to make this decision to forgive you, the first decision will be that I decide to see you as a flawed human being as opposed to being the devil incarnate. Because once I give you humanity, once I see you as a flawed person, then you're on the level with me and everybody else. You're not that evil villain that's different than the world. It's it's you're human. Now, it doesn't mean I like what you do. I might not even mean that I like you. But it does mean that I see you not as the devil walking around in human flesh or some demon-possessed demoniac guy. What I'm seeing is another human being who is flawed. That's my first decision. I'll choose to see you that way. The second part of the decision, then, is this. I choose, as I've been talking about, not to take vengeance. And by choosing not to take vengeance, I set myself free. Now, it doesn't necessarily set you free. There are still consequences to your behavior. If you've done something illegal, you still might wind up going to jail or paying a fine. Even if you haven't done something illegal, there's a principle in life that you really do reap what you sow. Which means that the negative things you do, if you don't try to make them right, you have planted seeds and you can never be sure when, where, or how they will come up. Now, might they come up even if you do your best to make things right? Yes, they may. But you have much less likelihood of there being tremendously bad things resulting down the line from these bad things if you do everything you can now to make it right. Now, with that, we'll start into our program. We'll start to our first caller tonight. We have area code 916. Hello, area code 196. You're on the Joe Beam Show.
0: Hi, Joe. How are you doing?
2: I have a headache. How are you?
0: I'm fine. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Good. It's just been an intense day, an intense day. How can I help you this evening?
0: Um, I am wondering, um, I understand the the concept of forgiving and I'm trying my best, Um, but I'm wondering, is there a point in a marriage process when things have been really bad where you have to let some of the anger out? And, sorry, obviously the emotions too. In order to kind of Move to that
2: point and forgive this. Okay, now let me make sure I heard what you said. You said, "Does there come a time when you have to let the anger out and let the emotions out?" Is that what I heard you say?
0: Right. I mean, it's really. I mean, in order to forgive, I mean, is there a point where you can let your spouse know? I mean, exactly how angry you are with the choices they've made and the things that they have done, in order to like as in the process of forgiving. I mean to really for lack of a better term, let him have it, you know, verbally mm-hmm. and just say, these are these are your decisions. These are the things that you have done. These are the things that you have done to hurt me. You know, I'm I'm trying to be as calm and level headed as possible when I interact with my spouse, but I'm mm-hmm. just feeling so much anger towards them that it's really difficult.
2: Well I'm I am definitely sure it is difficult. There's no doubt about it. And it's it's difficult even to get past the pain. And by the way, that's what anger is. Anger is the manifestation of pain. Anytime we see anger, we look for the pain underneath it. That's where it comes from. And mm-hmm. when we teach people in our workshops, for example, about forgiveness, we point out to them, it's going to be very, very difficult for the person to forgive you if they don't believe that you understand what you have done and its effect on them. And so yeah. and so, if somebody does something to me and then says, please forgive me, but they do it kind of nonchalantly, and I'm looking at him thinking, I don't think you have a clue how badly you just hurt me. Now, may I be able to rise above it and forgive him? Yes, that's possible. But but, what we really want to do is, is to have this for the person to understand, please grasp, please somehow get a comprehension of how badly you've hurt me. I need you to understand that. It's part of my forgiving process, but I really need you to understand that. And that's what you're saying. You need him to understand how yeah. badly you've been hurt. Yeah. Now, I agree. I think that's valid. Another part of your question was, if I heard it correctly, can I let that kind of explode out? <laughs> can I <laughs>
0: right. Can I just really... Well, or you how, know, do I, how do I stop it from doing
2: that? <laughs> <laughs> well... Anger is the kind of thing that typically typically operates on one of, uh, it's on a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum is just swallowing it. I just swallow the anger and never let it out. By the way, that is extremely unhealthy psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. On the other end of the spectrum are those people who just explode all the time. And that's also unhealthy physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, all those other kinds of ways. What we want to do is to be somewhere in the middle of all that, where that Sometimes we do. I mean, it, we can't help it. It just comes out. It's there. Is it okay to be emotional when you explain your pain? Yes. Now, what we suggest, if you can do it, you can be emotional. You can be even loud. You can, you can lament. You can cry out. That's what the Psalms, by the way, are all about. Many of the Psalms are about in the Old Testament, not all, but some of the Psalms. If in the process, you can do that without attacking the other person, which is going to be hard to do because you're hurt. Mm -hmm. But if you can do it without attacking the other person, yes, you can be loud. Yes. You can be emotional. Yes. You can explain to the greatest degree how painful this is. You can ask the other person, are you getting this? Do you understand? Can you feed back to me what you're hearing? Because I need to know if you understand my pain, all Mm -hmm. of that's natural. All of that's human. But if you can try not to attack him, As you do it. Now, when I say attack, here's what I mean. A complaint is legitimate. Like, you did this and that hurt me. That's legitimate. It's when you turn it into a criticism that that starts getting bad. And criticism is when you kind of add the dimension to it. What is wrong with you? So it's not just a complaint like, you did this and that hurt me. It's like, you did this and you're a scumbag. (laughs) And how dare you? You you understand the difference in those things?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. So So it's what you think of him in your head versus what you actually say out loud. So
2: <laughs> I think most of us would be better, better off if we don't say everything that comes to our head. <laughs> yeah. I really. Yeah. Do. I'm so sorry for your pain. Do you think yeah, he has so any clue how badly you've been hurt?
0: I I think he do. I I think he does. Um the I mean the other part of it is is just kind of I wonder if you would kind of address forgiving when it's the kids that have been hurt or that are have the potential to be hurt because that's really what's making me angry right now is kind of how can he do this to his family.
2: Right. And and obviously that's tough. I think it's tougher for mothers than anybody. Now I'm a father and I know that fathers have this deep bond with their children as well, but I still think it's tougher for moms than anybody. It's like, how how could you cause this pain to these people we brought onto this planet? I mean, they didn't ask to be born therefore they don't owe us. We brought them into life. Therefore we owe them. I understand it. I really do. The same principle applies, though. If you can communicate that without attacking in those mean ways, it's a whole lot better. Do you think he understands how badly he's hurt the children?
1: Um,
0: no, not fully. Not yet. Um, not yet. You know, he's still, still in... I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. Um, sorry, my son was coming in. The house phone was ringing. Um, I don't. I don't think he. I think he's justifying it because he he works out of town a lot anyway. So he's thinking that the kids will be resilient and they'll bounce back and it will all be fine.
2: Hmm. I, so I think. I, he, go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you.
0: No, I think he's thinking that you know it. It'll in the long term, it'll be fine. So and I.
2: Mm-hmm. He may be. And, and there are any number of so-called experts out there who would tell him the same thing. Any number of mm-hmm. so-called experts who would say, well, no, the children will be better off. I'm glad to see more. Somebody's not happy. I can tell.
0: No, she's not. She got knocked over by her brother.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, I see. Well, I'm glad to see there's more and more research coming out saying that that's just hogwash. You can't walk away from your children and say, Now they're better off because I'm not there. Right. Uh, well, it sounds like you've got somebody you need to go take care of there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. But um yeah, so I that I mean that was just basically my question. Just kind of, you know, what in the in the
2: mm-hmm. process
0: of forgiveness and in the process of, you know, trying to work on my pies and, you know, trying mm-hmm. to just be as level headed as possible, kinda of where is the Mm-hmm. is there a place in there for the the anger and the frustration and kind of how you deal with
2: that sure in the process sure of forgiveness? Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're human beings. We have to deal with that stuff. And so you're absolutely right. May, yeah. may God be with you. I uh, hope it all works Thank out you. for you. I
0: appreciate it. Thank you very okay. much.
2: You're very welcome. All right. Our telephone number is 646-378-0424. That 646 three, seven, eight, zero, four, two, four. We have quite a few callers out there who are listening on their phones and that's fine. We have that every week. If you wish to speak with me, then I'd love to talk to you. But when you, if you wish to speak to me, when you hear that menu that answers when you first call, you need to press the number one. Now, I'm not sure if after you've been listening for a while, if you can still reach over at some point and press the number one and it still works. Or if you have to call back, I do not know the technology of that, but I know that if you want to speak to me, you have to press that number one. And it's a little signal up on my screen here that tells me that you're out there and that you're waiting. And then I can click over and we can talk. And As always, what we do every month is that everyone who talks to me on the air, we jot all the telephone numbers down. And then at the end of the month, actually, I guess that's tomorrow for this month. At the end of the month, what we do is we put them all into a computer file and then have the computer sort through them and randomly pick out a number. In other words, it's not done by us. The computer does it. And then we call that number and we say, hey, we are offering you, if you wish to come, half off of the uh, registration fee, the enrollment fee, to come to our Marriage Helper 911 workshop. And uh, quite often, people take us up on it. If not, then we call the next number. And it's like, that saves you quite a bit of money, and we do that. So that's an opportunity you can have if you choose to talk to me on the air. Okay, we have another caller now, and I'm talking to Area Code 209. Hello, 209. You're on the Joe Beam Show.
1: Hello, how are you?
2: I'm getting better. How are you?
1: Good. I hope your headache's going away. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, I took some major stuff just before the program, so I'm not doze off here in a minute. I don't know. <laughs>
1: okay. I'll how can I help quick. you? Um, now, what if um, we turn the, you know, go to the other side and turn the page here. Um, How do you forgive yourself? Um, I think, you know, in my husband and I's relationship, Um, A lot of damage was done because of some of the things um, I've said to him um, that may have hurt him and pushed him away. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'm really trying to work on forgiving myself and not (laughs) holding on to the the past and the things that I've said and done.
2: (laughs) Well, it's extremely important. You see, it's really the same principle if you think about it. It's a decision, not an emotion. Now, the decision for forgiveness, if I decide to forgive, that decision, if I continue to act consistently with that decision, will in time change my emotions. For example, uh, some guys back many years ago now, a couple of guys did me a lot of damage and caused me a lot of pain. And these had been guys that I thought were my friends, and they had done it behind my back. And I remembered praying many times. Often, I'll pray out loud when I walk, uh, because if I don't pray out loud, sometimes my mind strays. So if I do my walk, you know, I'll be praying out loud, which interestingly gets people to leave you alone because they think you're crazy. But I'm mm-hmm. praying out loud. And, and part of it is I'm praying, God, give me the ability to forgive these guys for hurting me. Please do that. And finally realize, OK, I see them as flawed human beings. We, that's the first thing you got to do is to see them as flawed human, not as totally evil. And then secondly, that you choose not to take vengeance. There's nothing I'm going to do to hurt these guys. And I remember one day as I was walking and praying, I realized, hey, my emotions have changed. I, I not only have decided not to take vengeance some time ago, but now I know that my emotions have changed. I have no ill will toward these guys at all now. Interestingly, because I think that God does have a sense of humor, just in a couple of weeks from that, I walked into a place and and, and it was in a, I mean, there was no way in the world. They should have been within miles of that place. And I walk in and there they both are. And I thought, okay, God, you're checking me out. Now, it's the same principle for forgiving you. First of all, you see yourself as a flawed human, that you're not evil. You're not wicked. You're just human. And all of us who are human mess up. Everybody. Everybody on the planet screwed up. I mean, everybody is. And if you you accept the fact that, okay, I'm imperfect, so I'll say sometimes things I shouldn't say, I'll do some things I shouldn't do. I'm not justifying my bad behavior, but I'm saying it's part of my humanity. It's going to happen. All right. So you accept the fact that you're flawed, accept the fact that you're not perfect and that you don't have to be perfect because you never can be perfect. Then second part is you don't take vengeance on you either. You see, quite often what we mean when we say we haven't forgiven ourselves is that we mean, I continue to punish myself for this thing that I've done. Now, the punishment can be in the way you think about yourself. It can be thinking over and over again, reliving it over and over again. Boy, I said that. Oh, I can't believe I said that. I did that. Oh, I can't believe it. And you keep beating yourself up, basically, emotionally. And that sometimes, even when you talk to other people, you put yourself down. Oh, I'm just a bad person. I really should have known better. I was stupid or whatever. We can also punish ourselves in other ways. We can punish ourselves by overeating, for example. We can punish ourselves by putting ourselves in situations where we know we're going to be treated badly. But we insert ourselves into those situations because we think we deserve to be treated badly. So there are many different ways that a person can put himself or herself into a situation that punishes you or that you mentally and emotionally keep punishing you. Well, if forgiveness is, number one, See the person as flawed, not evil, number two, make a decision not to take vengeance, then those two things would apply to you. That you see yourself as flawed and that you no longer take vengeance on you, that you no longer beat yourself up a mentally, mentally, emotionally, any other way, that you accept the fact that you're forgiven, except the fact that God has forgiven you, except the fact that that you'll never be perfect, but you don't have to be, then you hold your head up high. You don't live in shame thinking that you're some bad person. You say, I'm sorry I did that. I'm going to do my best never to do it again. I'm going to try to live my life the right way. But it's all about you accepting your own humanity and stopping the punishment you yes. do to yourself. Is that making any sense to you at all?
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense um i think that um i'm trying to let go of it slowly we've been separated for about six weeks now and <laughs> i go back and relive the moment but slowly mm-hmm. i'm just trying to let go of it and say okay you know i need to focus on myself and see what i can do to kind of um you know make my wrongs right and mm-hmm. you know make myself but, better
2: but reliving a bad time or a bad moment a bad hour or whatever Does that do any any good thing for you at all?
1: No, not at all. It makes me feel, you know, like a bad person, like you were saying. It makes you feel Mm -hmm. stuck, and it makes you feel like you can't move on from that situation.
2: Mm -hmm. Now, you're human because we all have done that. So when that happens, what you need to do is to find something that will make you think of something different. Now, some people do it by learning how to do relaxation methods through yoga and things like that and and just relax their minds. Other people do it through a process called mindfulness. Much too complicated to explain here, but basically mindfulness is being able to look at an action and say, okay, it happened. I don't need to make any more judgments about it. Just accept that it happened and move on. Or or you can find yourself something else you can pour yourself into so that if you start reliving those things, we call it rumination. If you start ruminating on that bad thing, you instantly go do something and makes your mind focus on something else. You sound like a, an intelligent person, so I'm sure you can do this if you choose to.
1: Yeah, it's been really eye-opening for me since he left. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that I ever admitted my flaws and what I took accountability mm-hmm. for the things that I did until yeah. he left, and now it's mm-hmm. like I'm looking back and seeing, oh, okay, these are the things I did to hurt him. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, you know like you've told me and I've seen on marriage helper, you just have to work on yourself and mm-hmm. do what you can to move forward.
2: And I think it I think there's validity in admitting to yourself the things you did wrong. Now, once right. you do, then you start making plans not to do them anymore and you stop beating yourself up for them.
1: Right. Right.
2: Very good. Hey, well, thank you this. so
1: much. I really appreciate everything you guys okay. do and um thank you for taking the time to talk to me.
2: Well, you're very welcome. You have a good evening. Okay. We're going to move on to another caller. This is area code five zero one. Hello, area code five Oh one. You're on the Joe beam show.
3: Hey, can you hear me?
2: I can hear you.
3: Okay. Good deal. Um, How do you go about helping a teenage son forgive his dad? Mm. Is there anything I can do with that?
2: (laughs) Well, I don't know that that's your job. Now, Okay. Helping your son understand the long-term consequences of holding anger or, or rage or those kinds of things, that's valid. But okay. what I'm hearing you say is that it's it, you feel like you should do something to get him to forgive. Is that what you're saying?
3: No. No. No? No. Just trying to help him see ways that he could go about not, not being so angry and not being so... Um, I don't know how to say crass maybe about the things that his dad has done to him um, or that he perceives that he has done when in essence it's actually been the stuff he's done to me. um, Very protective of me for one. Um, But he just doesn't seem to want to look at the whole picture and see that it's something that, that we don't have any control over.
2: Right. How old is the son?
3: He is almost 19.
2: Almost 19. So mm-hmm. so he's old enough for you to have some really good conversations with about the concept yes. of forgiveness and anger and pain. Okay. Exactly. Now, I think if it were I, and I were talking to my 19-year-old child, I would be thinking, 19 uh, is not a child, I guess, anymore, is it? But talking to uh, my 19-year-old son, it would be things like, you know, it's really okay to be hurt. That's all right. And it's, and it's natural to feel anger. That's okay too. But if you let it start ruining your life, then it's not hurting the other person. It's hurting you. And so I understand your pain you had towards your dad. I get it. I grasp all of that, but but the behavior that you're demonstrating now is not going to help that. And not only is it not going to help that, it's just going to hurt you and and we need to find a way for you not to damage you. And so if you okay. can you know, start in that way, start in that vein, and then get mm-hmm. him. And so that he sees that, first of all, you're not on the other side of the table. You're on the same side of the table with him. That's the first thing. And right. that in that process of doing so, that you're really understanding. Hey, it's okay. I don't blame you. Okay. I'd feel hurt too. But let's talk about the consequence to you if you keep doing this. And that, I think, is where you're going to have the best advantage in helping him to deal with it.
3: Okay. Sounds good.
2: All right. It thank sounds you. like a good conversation you guys are going to have.
3: Yeah. <laughs> if I can get him to sit down and have it, yeah. <laughs>
2: well, he's 19. But, <laughs> exactly.
3: but you can do <laughs> That's that. my point. You,
2: can, you yeah. can make that happen. Okay. Sure. All right. You have a good okay, evening. You. you too. Okay, now the most unusual thing has happened on my computer screen from Blog Talk Radio, and all of a sudden, all of the area codes have disappeared. Now, I don't know how to get them back. So I'm going to go to the next caller, <laughs> but I can't see the first number of your area code. I just can see that the second two numbers, the second two numbers of your area code are zero four. So can, if your last two numbers are zero four, can you hear me talking directly to you? Uh, I can. Okay. What's the first number of that zero four? It's nine. Nine zero four. I don't know why my screen just did that. (laughs) And there is no way for me to fix it while I'm also trying to do this program. All right. How can I help you this evening?
0: Well, again, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you putting on this program. I am wondering how you deal with, you know, a person saying that they have forgiven you, which is very gracious. But I guess it goes along the lines with uh, self-forgiveness, but I call them the triggers where, you know, even not just this person that has forgiven you, but other people around you, they'll say something nice about you, like, you know, you're such a great person or you're so good to your husband, who is the one who has forgiven me. Um, Trying to help that self-talk that when anybody says anything good about you, You automatically go right to the self-talk of yeah, but if you only knew what I did, or if you only knew what happened, or Mm -hmm. the the triggers, the tapes that get played in your mind over and over again. Where Mm -hmm. sometimes you feel like it's been you know a year or it's been weeks or whatever. How do you get that self-talk? And I guess it is putting yourself. Triggers that can turn into in your own self. No, if you only knew what I did, if you knew, you know what I mean. Is that clear? Yeah, but
2: I, I think I heard you give the answer in the question. Did you hear the answer oh, you gave? Maybe I'm
0: smarter than I thought. I'm not
2: sure. <laughs> I'm sure that you are. But think about it. <laughs> think about the way you phrase that question. You actually put the answer in the question. What do you think it is?
0: Is it changing your self-talk?
2: Yes. <laughs> oh, it's that simple. Okay. Yeah, you know, I say okay. that simple if you're in a pattern of that negative self-talk it it you don't change mm-hmm. that overnight i mean it's so hard to do but uh, you sure. can actually do it and sometimes sometimes you start a little artificially here's what i mean by that you you mm-hmm. sit down with a piece of paper and you write okay. out the self-talk that you really need to be giving yourself okay okay and when you write that out like whatever it is like rather than those negative things and i understand but that that you when you hear somebody say something to you, you think, yeah, but you don't know about this or, but you're not aware of that, mm-hmm. that, that negative self image. So write down the image that you do want to have, write it down. I okay. actually have done this where I write down things like I'm a godly man. I'm a spiritual man. I'm a good man. I've done that. Mm-hmm. And, and some, I've got to start back walking now. I just finished this major project. So I've been walking much recently, but when I okay. walk in addition to my prayer life, I actually say those things out loud over and over, not because I'm mm. trying to be arrogant that's not it at all. it's just sure. the opposite, so that I don't think bad about myself, and mm. you can say things like I'm a child of God' you can say things like I am yeah. washed clean you you mm-hmm. need uh, I'm not telling you what you need. I would suggest that you sit down with a piece of paper, write down just a few, no more than five, no more than five, okay uh, positive affirmations, and then for a while, every day you write them down again and during the day you repeat them to yourselves, but change the emphasis. Like I am a good woman, or I am a good woman. I am a good woman. You change the emphasis and train yourself to think differently. Because if you think about it, we really are being unkind to people. If they say nice things to us about us and rather than accepting it as being what they truly feel and think, we immediately begin to deprecate it. Not only we're hurting Mm -hmm. us, we're actually not being nice to them. Right. Hmm. I mean, isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah. Because here they are pouring out Mm -hmm. their heart, telling you something they really think about you. And if if somebody says, Oh, you're a really good person. And you go, Oh, you don't know the real me. (laughs) Not only have you just hurt yourself, you've just hurt them. And that, and you know that they don't need to be hurt. Right. So, yes, you gave the answer in your question. You sound extremely intelligent to me, so stop thinking like that. (laughs) Stop talking to yourself like that. You can fix this. Perfect. By the way, when you do, I would love for you to call me back and tell me how you did it and how it worked. I'm serious.
0: Okay. Well, my goal is to go to Marriage 911 at some point, so I will introduce myself. And I will say that I I would
2: me. love to see you there. I would love to meet you really would.
0: Perfect. Perfect.
2: <laughs> all well, right. Thank
0: you so much. I appreciate it very much. Okay.
2: Now let me know how this works. I'm serious. I want to know. I will. Okay. okay. <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>. bye. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Okay. And now all of a sudden I can see the area codes again. What an amazing screen I've got in front of me. Okay. Let's see. We're going to go to area code. Let's see. Here it is. 843. Seven. Hello, AreaKid847. You're on the J- Joe Beam Show. How can I help you?
4: Okay, hi. I got a real quick question. Um, my husband's been gone for a year in an affair now, and it's he inherited father's house and money, and obviously this woman has moved in with him because she knows all about the money. And now I see that he's on a couple vacations already. We don't talk. We text here and there, but he says we're divorced, but we're not. And now I see on the internet, he's selling his father's stuff on the internet. How do you like that? His antique stuff. I don't know if I could say something to him or I, I don't know what, my, you know, we're still legally married and now she's selling his father's stuff. I don't know what, if if I should say anything to him or that I saw it on the internet and what's going on or, or just let it go.
2: You know, well, you certainly you certainly have the right to do that. What? How do you think he'd respond?
4: I don't know. I don't even know if she knows he's selling it. I suppose he does, and I don't know if he's going to get the money for it or what. She's got a lot of nerve to be selling his father's stuff, which is my father-in-law right now. You know, yeah. He's well, it
2: sounds pretty nervy to me.
4: So yeah, yeah. Well, that's, purpose, for, that's the this reason she's in there. You know.
2: Right. So your purpose of telling him is to help protect him from what she's doing, or to Oh, to let point? him
4: know that I know what's going on in a in a nice kind of a way. Do you know that I see your items on the Internet and they're not being sold by you? You know, a question mm-hmm. mark like that. And see what he would say. Or or you think it's better to don't say anything in, in case I
2: well, ever... Uh, you know, here's I'm going to you, what I ask you. What would be the response you would most like to get if you did that?
4: Well, I got the best thing. His daughter... Has already texted me and, and wanted to know who I was, and we've been together seven years. She wanted to know who, who uh, when did I get married to her? dad. Now, that's the best thing from seven years ago. I wanted to tell him that too. I, I don't know what kind of response. I don't know which way to approach it.
2: So what, what I'm hearing is that that you're not really sure what to do here. You feel left out that he didn't even tell a daughter about you. You no, feel left no. out because all these. Other, hmm? No, I'm, am I not right? Am I missing it?
4: No, I said, right. So what do you think? How oh. should I approach Well, What would you do?
2: Well, if you're still legally married to him, then I guess from one standpoint, what he owns, uh, you would get a part of it. Would that be right or wrong? I'm not an attorney. I'm just asking.
4: Well, I don't know. We do have a prenup, but it's still during our marriage period. You know, I don't know how that's going to work, but I mean, they've gone on a couple of couple vacations already. I've already seen that. She puts that on the on the internet, on vacation, on Facebook, but now I see okay. she's selling items. Now that's making me pretty livid yeah. right now.
2: And, and obviously it upsets you. I could understand that. So why mm-hmm. are you still married to this guy if he's living with another woman?
4: Well, this has been for a year. I was thinking that the, the, the limerence thing, I was going with that for a year, but I don't know how much longer mm-hmm. I'm going to deal with that, you know, before I go in there and attack it or whatever. I'm not sure what right. I'm doing right now, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I understand. And I can understand your frustration. I can understand your hurt, your anger. I understand it all. I can't mm -hmm. really tell you whether you should or shouldn't, but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm getting the impression that you think you should, right?
4: Yes, I do. But I haven't done it
2: yet. (laughs) Well, if you think you should, go ahead and do it. My recommendation is this. Be Mm -hmm. uh, as gentle as you can. In other words, try not Mm -hmm. to attack him if you can help yeah. it because that's just going right. to lead to an argument and that's not going to help anything.
4: Yes, I know.
2: So if you do it otherwise, if you can say, look, Hey, I just want to make sure that you know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell him, I want to make sure that you know, I know, I. you don't have to tell him that, that I want you to know that I know what's going on here because you can right. accomplish that just by saying, Hey, mm-hmm. I see this on online and, and just because I care about you, i wanted to mm-hmm. make sure that you knew this was going on. Then he definitely knows that, you know, and you don't right. have to tell him that. And then right. uh, what are you going to do if he responds in some tacky kind of way, like none of your business? What are you going to do? I, then? He
4: probably, him, he'd probably ignore me, but then I don't know how to approach that thing. When his daughter asked me, how long have we been together? I didn't give her any answers. I don't know if I should tell him that too, that I heard from the daughter.
2: I think it's reasonable to say, by the way, I had a most interesting uh, contact from your daughter, and she said she didn't know we were together and wanted to know how long we had been. Uh, Should I talk to your daughter about that? I mean, if you do it Mm -hmm. in a way where you're trying to be calm and kind, like you're actually asking questions, actually trying to have a conversation, then you may actually get a conversation started. And if you do that, you might be able Mm -hmm. to accomplish something.
4: Yeah, well, I was told to do it that way, too, so you just agreed with that one. Yeah, I was thinking about that anyway, so that sounds good. I don't know how long I'm going to hold on, but, I mean, this is what's going on yeah. now, and I can't speak for the future, so. Yeah, so that's where well, at. I'm I just so want sorry to... for
2: the for the frustration and for the aggravation and the pain. I am so sorry that's happening.
4: Well, thank you, and then we'll see what I can do. I am going to probably approach him the way you said, so that sounds good to me. Okay,
2: okay. I appreciate Alrighty. it. All righty. All right, you have a All good right. evening. Okay.
4: You too. Thanks. All right.
2: Our telephone number is 646-378-0424. That's 646-378-0424. As always, we have a lot of people out there on their phones listening. I can see those phones, so I'm glad you're out there. Thank you for being part of our program. And again, if you wish to speak to me, what you have to do is press that number 1, and it will give me a little signal, and I'll come to your number, and I'll... uh, Push a button, and you and I can talk to each other uh, not only to ask questions, but you can also make comments. For example, there are probably times when you're listening to me talk to some other caller and you're thinking, "Wow, I, I got something I want to say about that. Feel free as long as you're uh, you know not vulgar or anything like that, then we'll be glad to hear your opinion if you'd like to share things with the other people that you hear on the program. Uh, and again, as long as it's polite and kind and, and those kinds of things, even if it doesn't agree with what I think. We're happy to have your opinion on here as well. So your questions, your comments, etc. Now, when we go back to forgiveness, let me again talk about how important it is to you. Now, many of you heard that old adage that trying to take the trying to get vengeance is like you drinking poison, hoping somebody else is going to die because it just eats you alive. It causes you pain and problems, but not the problems of the other person. Not long ago, I was talking to a young man and he was talking about somebody in his life who was causing him a lot of pain. And he said, I I spend so much time thinking about how much he's doing to me. And so I asked him this question. How much time do you think he spends thinking about you? Young man thought for a couple of minutes and he said, probably not at all. Oh, so he does tacky things to mess up your life whenever you're around because you're just there. You're a target. And yet, you're the one who carries the burden from one day to the next, to the next, to the next, when he doesn't even think about you unless you're right in front of him. So, actually, who's winning here? Well, he's winning because you carry this anger inside of you. Now, it's human to be angry, it's quite all right. But you understand that anger is based on pain. And the way you deal with your anger is to deal with the pain. Now, part of the way to deal with the pain is to forgive the people who hurt you. Now, not so it sets them free. They still face consequences. They may face legal consequences. They may face consequences with other people. They may face consequences just in the fact that they've been sowing all these terrible seeds in their life and eventually those things are going to come back in a harvest and they're not going to appreciate that harvest at all. I know a fellow, he actually lives in Middle Tennessee. I haven't been around him for a while now, but used to be around him a lot. His father was killed by a drunk driver. Now, you can imagine the kind of pain that that would create. You don't want to lose your dad, period, but particularly not to some guy who's drunk and he's out there on the road drinking and driving and he hits your dad. It's a crime. I mean, the guy did something terrible, and, and the result was you lost your father. He, after a period of time, actually went to this drunk who was not drunk anymore. He actually went to this guy and, and said, I'm the son of the man that you killed, they actually developed, believe it or not, a friendship. And not only did they develop a friendship, because my friend forgave the man. The man still had some legal consequences and other things like that. And my friend didn't try to undo those, but he forgave the man. And they finally developed enough of a relationship that he literally led that man to become a Christian. And I actually saw them together once talking, (laughs) and it was this conversation It was like, look, you led this man to Jesus. He's now your brother in Christ. You helped find him salvation, and he's the man that killed your dad. Now, that's an amazing story of forgiveness, isn't it? An amazing story of forgiveness. And basically what it is is this. I can hold all these ill feelings toward you for what you've done, but it's not going to do me any good. It's not going to help me. I remember many years ago a young man who had been molested sexually in a department store. Back in the days, this was far enough back, this was back in the 1970s, when people typically didn't believe the kid. And so when he went to the management of the store, this man, you know, pushed me into the restroom back there, and he molested me. And nobody paid attention to him, not the store manager, not the police, nobody else. And uh, this young man became So full of anger and bitterness and rage and hatred. I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And when I get old enough, I'm going after this guy. Look, what he did was terrible. And I totally understand the pain that you feel. He should have never done it. And by the grace of God, somewhere, somehow, somebody's going to catch this guy in the act and he's going to wind up in prison. But even if he doesn't, there is no advantage to you to carry this anger and hurt in your heart because it's destroying you and these teenage years that you should be enjoying and having fun and loving life you're ruining because all you can do is think about the man that hurt you so forgiveness doesn't set the other person free forgiveness sets you free and remember it's a decision it is not an emotion it's a decision and if you can live by that decision and you won't do it perfectly every day but if you can live by that decision then what happens with time Is that your heart changes, the way you feel changes, and and it is no longer that burden that you carry, that ball and chain pulling you down. Now, some of you are saying, well, okay, but don't you deal mostly with marriages? Well, yes, I do. So why don't you give us some marriage illustrations? Well, let me illustrate with Alice, my wife, and me. Back in 1984, I divorced Alice. I left her. I said all kinds of terrible things to her. I said all kinds of terrible things about her. And I had convinced myself that I couldn't be married to a woman like her and painted a picture in my mind of her that was very, very bleak and dark and bad. None of which was true in reality because Alice is actually a very good, gracious, woman-loving woman. But that's not what I convinced myself of. I had convinced myself of all the others so I could justify the things I I was doing And the things I was doing were pretty bad. Now my life continued to spiral downhill and downhill and downhill after the divorce, more and more bad things occurring until I wound up in intensive care. And they told me I was going to die because of my own behavior, things I'd done to myself. Even then I didn't reach out to Alice, but when I finally, finally got to my point where I reached around and, and picked up the phone and called Alice and said, is there any possibility you would be willing to take me back? Alice, who had every reason in the world to say, look, son, <laughs> you had your chance and you hurt me badly and you hurt our children badly. You hurt our Christian friends. You hurt my family. You hurt everybody badly. And, and why in the world should I take you back? Instead, she forgave me. She chose to forgive me. And not just forgive me, but to reconcile. Now, understand that those are two different things. That forgiving a person says, I choose to see you as a flawed human, not the devil incarnate. And it means that I choose not to take vengeance. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness then benefits you. It's for your sake. It sets you free. It sets you free. Now, reconciliation is another thing altogether. Reconciliation is not only do I forgive you, But I choose to have a relationship with you. And that's what she chose to do with me. And people were warning her right and left. He hurt you before. He'll hurt you again. You can never trust him again. Why would you even possibly think about taking him back? And even though they counseled her diligently that she shouldn't, she stuck with that forgiveness. She made up a decision in her own mind. I've heard her tell people this many times. And by the way, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to put her on this program on the other microphone over here and let people call in and ask Alice questions and hear what she has to say. But basically what she has said to many, and I've heard her it often is I knew that a relationship with anybody was a risk. She was already seeing someone else at the time. I knew that a relationship with anybody was a risk. And I knew that at heart, Joe was a good man. I knew that Joe was a good man who had done a terrible thing. And so I chose not only to see him as a flawed human and not the devil incarnate like some of my friends wanted me to. I chose not only not to take vengeance and try to destroy Joe, but I ultimately chose reconciliation, even knowing it was a risk to take him back. And that was 28 years ago that we remarried. And Alice is my best friend, and we do well. So when we talk about these things, we're not just talking about principles that we read out of a book, although we read a lot. (laughs) I am constantly reading the latest scholarly literature from places – well, actually, I I have access to the online library at the University of Sydney in Australia, one of the most outstanding universities in the world with an amazing online library – And so I continually read articles, scholarly articles and research about things like forgiveness. How do you forgive? What happens when you forgive? And all those kinds of things. How can you get past it? Should you reconcile? When is it safe to reconcile? When is it not? And so we read constantly. There's no doubt about that. But the people in our organization, by, by a large percentage, have had to forgive people who have hurt them badly. I say had to who chose to forgive someone who hurt them badly and who have chosen to do reconciliation and put marriages back together, even though there was a risk involved and have stories that are amazing about the love they have for each other. Now you see, none of us wants to see anybody get hurt. I mean, if you want to see somebody get hurt, you've got a problem. We don't want to see people get hurt, but it happens every day. Their parents who hurt their children by the things they do. Children who hurt their parents by the things they do. And certainly husbands that hurt wives and wives that hurt husbands. I mean, it happens all over the world every day. And we know that there's a lot of pain out there because of the selfishness and the self-centered acts that we all do. Now, I might cause a little pain here and a little pain there. The things that we really pay attention to are when you do the things that cause major pain like you leave your wife for another woman or you leave your husband for another man, you say, well, my children will be better off without me here. I'll be a good dad every other weekend. All those kinds of things that people rationalize and justify. And then they just go off and do their own thing. And then we see that and we think, how in the world can we help these people pass the pain? And so when we work with the person who has been aggrieved, the one who has been abandoned for the other lover, like I'm the wife and my husband left me for that woman over there, or I'm the husband and my wife left me for that man over there. Or in this day and time, obviously, it would not necessarily be somebody of the opposite gender. It could be somebody of the same gender, but my wife left me for another person. I feel this great pain. Or a kid, oh, forgive me for saying the word kid. I'm old enough. I think I can do it. But a, a, a younger person saying, I have great pain because my dad abandoned my family and he's off doing this. We try our best to help those people who are in pain. One thing we try to do, of course, is to help them put those marriages and families back together. That is the goal of the nonprofit that we work for. It is its mission. We try to help restore marriages, and we are not afraid to wade into the ditch and to be right there with people where they hurt. And we are not afraid of those relationships that everybody else has given up on and says there's no hope for this when they can't possibly make it. Well, we don't believe that. We think all of them can, and so we're right there. Now, by the way, I need to put a caveat right there, a little exception. Sometimes people need to be away from the other just for safety's sake. I mean, if somebody is physically or uh, um, emotionally abusing another person, causing them danger, I mean, sometimes people just have to leave to live. What I mean is they're going to die if they stay where they are. I'm not talking about those kind of situations, but those others, we try our best to put them back together. We do everything we can, knowing that even though by the grace of God, our success rate is really exceptionally high, that it is not 100%. And so part of what we do is to try to help the aggrieved, the abandoned, the hurt, to understand that even if he or she doesn't come back, even if you cannot put the marriage or the family back together, if you are going to be able to deal with your own pain and move on with life, And we hope you put your marriage back together. That's why we exist. But if that does not happen, if you're going to have any kind of peace within you and a way to live where that you're not suffering every minute by this pain that you feel inside of yourself, then you have to learn to forgive. Not because you like what the other person is doing or even accept what the other person is doing, but because of the fact that you know you can't do anything to change it. And so you decide. He or she is a flawed human, not the devil incarnate. And you decide, I will not take vengeance. And then when you find the peace that you begin to have in your heart, that begins to come as a result of your forgiving the other person. And it doesn't come overnight. It doesn't come immediately. Remember, we've been saying the entire program. You make the decision and then you live consistently with the decision. And in time, in time, the emotions will begin to change. And that's when you will have the peace, the gentleness in your heart. Even if the other person never says, I'm sorry. Even if the other person never says, I forgive you. Now, let me just talk about that for a couple of minutes right here at the end. I'm out of time. If the other person, if the person who did the hurt comes back into your life and says, I'm sorry, forgive. Then please do. And if they say, can we reconcile? Can we put our lives back together? We'll make that a topic of another program in a few weeks down the road. Maybe, maybe even begin that discussion the night that I have my wife, Alice on. And hopefully that'll be in a couple of weeks. We'll give you plenty of notice so that you can listen to the program and that you can call in and ask Alice your questions, see what she has to say. Well, if I don't give another phone call right now, I'm going to end this program just a little early. Because we have a lot of listeners out there, and thank you for listening, but not a lot of people right now wanting to talk to me, which is fine if you don't want to do that. It's been a long, long, long day for me. And if you want to ask a question, great. I've got six minutes left on this program. If you don't, then I'm just going to move on. Okay. Learn to forgive. It is for your peace, your heart, your soul, and your kindness. May God be with you.